0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Good. Okay, thank you. I'm wired up. <laughs> uh, I- it's a joy to be here with you, and thank you, Pastor James, and for inviting us. Um, we just met at the car park as we walked in, and I realized this man has a great faith and great risk to give the pulpit to a person who we never met before. <laughs> so thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that, and um, and good to be here, and we had the opportunity of meeting Pastor Phil the other day, and he gave us a prophetic word, and that was very powerful to us. And uh, so we really appreciate your input into our lives. Um, This morning, I want to uh, share with you, I know a lot of people are thinking about the post-COVID, what happens after the COVID, right? (laughs) And um, where is it going to end? And in this context of uncertainty, Of course, New Zealand has come through, praise God. (laughs) But most of the nations are still suffering. In our country, we didn't have church for almost seven months, uh, physical gatherings. So some places are still locked down. And uh, it's a global impact, not only to the world, but also to the church. And it seems like, as God said in Haggai, whatever can be shaken will be shaken. And God has been doing that. And this morning I read an article that the Pew Research um, a, uh, organization, they have researched 19 countries, 19 Western countries in Europe and U.S. And they have realized that the level of uh, level of spiritual, awareness of spirituality has gone up, gone up in this last one year. And so there's a spiritual sensitivity that's happening. And, uh, and I want you to be aware of that. Uh, don't, don't, don't just go by the media. Don't just go by what the world is telling you. There's much more to life than what opinion and what uh, analysts and, and all these people tell us every day. And we were in a discipleship uh, seminar yesterday and day before. And we saw a video when somebody says, you are all, you're already discipled by the media. Your values, your attitudes, your outlook, everything is already discipled by the media. I hope it's not for the church here. <laughs> but that's true, and we have to undisciple people. And this morning, that's what I want to do, undisciple what the world has told you. The lies the devil has told you. Not about conspiracy theories, but about God's plan and purposes for your life and for the church. Amen? Amen. 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 And so, uh, you know, the COVID also brought a new normal, they say. A new normal. But I I think for us, the new normal is revival. There's nothing else. And that's That's what the church... The new normal, what the world tells is masks... Social distancing, washing hands, uh, that's, that, that, that's what the world is telling us. but uh, what God is saying to us is, get ready. <laughs> Amen, it's time for revival. Amen. God is about to move and begun to move about two three years ago, about a few leaders met together and God very specifically spoke to us about 2020. There's going to be a beginning of a new a season of revival around the world, not just a local revival, not a church-based church revival, <clears throat> but God is going to move around the nations. Amen. <laughs> so we are here just to awaken you to something bigger than what's happening now. <laughs> the Bible says there are three things that remain. I was asked to do a series of messages in Wellington for three Sundays. I and this is what God told me. Yeah, twenty two thousand twenty was, you know, shaking. And uh, uh, but you know, in First Corinthians thirteen, thirteen says there are three things that remain: faith, hope, and love. And all many people have washed those off with their hand washing. They said, "Well, all the wash, all the faith is gone, hope is gone." But God is saying, "Only these three things remain." Amen. Faith, hope, and love. And I want, to be, I want to be an agent of those three things, and I want to challenge you. Be an agent of faith, hope, and love. Amen? And hope says, hope says what you have ahead of you is far bigger than what has been and what is now. And that's what I want you to have today in this church, because God has raised you up, as agents of hope, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. love. I know we love the, the word love, but love is not just a four-letter four word in a sentence uh, uh, spelled in four letters. Love is a 16-word definition <laughs> that takes a whole lifestyle, lifetime to fulfill. So if you really want love, read 1 Corinthians 13. That will tell you the 16-letter, 16 16-word 16 description of what love is. And it begins with this powerful, amazing revelation: love is very patient. <laughs> That's what love is. Husbands and wives, now we celebrate our 42nd year, and uh, we fell in love, but now we are in a stage of really knowing what love is. God has taken us through that journey, from being patient, and the last description, love never fails. Between those two words, patience and love will never fail. That's where our success in life is. Any relationship, any context, amen? That's not my sermon, so, but I thought I'd, I'd just give introduction. But, you know, uh, everybody wants to know what's happening. Is it the end? Are we close to the coming of Christ? Uh, is Antichrist around the corner? And is, the, is this vaccine going to keep us, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff? People are talking. But I want to talk about the end. Amen? Do you want to talk? Do you like to know what the end is? You know, uh, people want to know what the end is. Because, uh, but, you know, God challenged in the book of Isaiah, he challenged the gods of the nations around Israel, which the Israel was attracted to all the other gods. And so God comes and he challenges God's people and he says, I want to ask, ask this question, to with whom will you compare me? In Isaiah 46, 5. Or count me equal, or to whom will you liken me? He says, can, can you bring the, all the gods and have, let's have a competition? <laughs> let's compare and see... What's the difference about me and all the other gods? And then he says, I I, I make known the end from the beginning. Most people know the beginning to the end. Many of you know our planning, you know your beginning, and you're trying to work out what the end is. But God says, I show, I know he says, I make I, I have made known the end from the beginning. Amen. And there are people here, you are trying to work out your end from your beginning, but God says, I already know the end. I know what's going to happen. Hallelujah. If you know, if He knows, then you don't have to panic. There's no emergency in heaven, there's no panic in heaven because He knows the end. And He has given us the book of Revelation, the end. Hallelujah. But the church gets easily like the disciples in the storm. You know what they asked Jesus? Don't you care that we perish? I mean, do people really care about people perishing? That's the question they asked. Don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus said, I have no plans to perish. I have no plans. My plan is to finish what I have begun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this morning I want to assure you that God knows, as somebody mentioned this morning, in the prophetic word, from the mother's womb, he knew you. We knew you were just a, just, just a collection of cells. He saw you. He knew you. He didn't see cells. He saw you as a person. And he knows what you are going to be. You are conformed to the image of Christ. And so I want to share from the book of Habakkuk, the end story. Habakkuk, as you know, is a he was wasn't a cook, but he. Uh, uh, most people miss this, you know. Miss this uh, book. It's a very small book, and uh, it's a very depressing book because he's always asking God questions. He was a use the word winger, you know, "winging." Is that right? <laughs> Grandchildren, yeah. And uh, he comes with these complaints. Have you complained? Have you questioned God? It's good to complain to God. It's better because he has an answer always, right? <laughs> and uh, so he begins with a complaint. And and uh, I always say it's good to ask God questions, but most of us ask questions, but we don't want to receive what God answers, his answer. We say, no, that's not what I expected. And so... But if you really seriously ask God questions, he's going to give you amazing answers. Hallelujah. In the Bible, many people question God. And God never said, why are you asking questions? No, he never rebuked them for asking questions. He always gave opportunities to understand. So the message I want to share today in this context of COVID, in this context of world turmoil, let's ask God questions. <laughs> Lord, what's happening? <laughs> But God will give you missional answer. I hope it's there, missional response. That God has a context of your life. Very often we don't see that, and so we ask questions within our context. But God says, I'm going to answer you from my context, the missional context. And so Habakkuk asks this question, and, and, and he keeps on complaining, and he says, he says, Lord, how long? Have you asked that question, how long? (laughs) Question about time? How long must I call for help? And you will not listen. I cry out violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Have you asked that question from God? The wicked are prospering. We are struggling. We are going through difficult times. What's wrong? Destruction and violence before me. And there is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, law, the law is paralyzed. Have you felt like that? I lived in a country where we had war for 30 years. Debbie and I, we served God in the midst of it. And very often I used to get up and ask, God, what's happening? The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. Wicked hem the righteous. There's a surround and justice is perverted. And so I used to ask this question from God. And then, God gives the answer. God's answer is quite different. <laughs> you know what God says? Look to the nations. Look to the nations. And he says, and be astounded. Be astounded of what, what, what I am. Be utterly amazed why I'm going to do something in your days, even if you do not believe. Yeah. This is God's missional answer to your local problem. (laughs) You are not a local person. You are a part of a global plan that God has. Amen. Amen? Yes. Yes, we function locally, but we have a global plan. God said, look to the nations. Of course, Habakkuk was in a terrible situation where the northern army of Assyrians had come and taken his country captive, and he was wondering, what's happening? God, don't you see? And God said, get ready, there's another thing happening. <laughs> but it's going to be much bigger than what you expected. Look to the nations. Recently, I, got, I looked at a survey of what God is doing in ma- nations. Be utterly amazed around the nations of the world. What, what, the, what the CNN and the BBC and what the TV one does not report. Don't confine your world to the news media. There's something far bigger than that. Do you know that from the year 2000 uh, to 2020, there's 20 years. And in in those 20 years, there's 7,300 days. 7,300 days. Every day, every day, Africa alone has over 35,000 people coming to the Lord every day for 7,300 days, non stop. Have you heard that? No. We are looking at the COVID problem. We are looking at how many died of COVID. But do you realize God is raising up the church around the world, the nations? In Latin America alone, 16,000 people come to the Lord. We came to the Lord every day for 7,300 days, 20 years. Asia, 13,000. North America, close to 2,000. See, God is doing something in the nations. I want you to connect to that. If you don't, you get depressed with what's happening locally. In your little world, in your bubble. I know this word bubble came, became a reality for you all. But God is bigger than your bubble. He says, if you really want true answers, look to the nations. And so, But Habakkuk still complains. He goes on to complain. You know, it's just like us. He said... He goes on to say, you know, why why are the righteous suffering? And and, and he he says, he keep on going down chapter one, and he he, he goes on saying, Lord, I still I'm not I'm not really still satisfied with your answer. And so in chapter two, God says, okay, He says, get ready for the second answer. He said, Why are you silent while the wicked swallow of those righteous? more righteous than themselves. Then God says to him, write down the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. For the vision awaits for an appointed time, but it speaks of the end. Remember the word end? It speaks of the end. And it will not prove false. Though it linger or delays, wait for it. It will certainly come. Hallelujah. I believe this time when you are going through questions, God says, "I want you to write down bigger than something bigger than your context. Get a vision of the future." You know, I I I I try to write against. I'm not a critic, but I try to write against the context. In my country, when I came into the ministry, uh, you know, we in our movement we had 17 churches, and that's all we had, and we had about 30 pastors. And I used to go to conferences, Then I see the reality, and God will say, write down something bigger. Don't write what's there. Reporters, that's what the journalist's job is, right? Churches not, are not journalists. Church are prophets, prophetic people. We see beyond what's, what's, what the reality is. But sadly, again, we are controlled by journalists who tell us exactly what is happening. But God is saying, "I have something greater." Write down the future vision, amen. So I used to take the map of Sri Lanka and put on the floor and used to pray over it. And then, and then, as I was praying, I would mark places and I said, "There is going to be a church here, a church here, a church in this place." And then sometimes the devil mocks me and says, "How how on earth can you have authority like that? Who are you?" to have control over this nation, <clears throat> then, then I would bring my Bible and, and read the psalm too. It says, ask of me nations and people as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. And one day the Holy Spirit said, it's like when you buy a property, you know, you get two things. One is the title deed and you also get the plot plan. Is that right? It has to tell you which plot is, it belongs to you. You may have a huge housing area, but the plot says, this is the plot. And God said, that's your plot. Your plot is the plan of Sri Lanka. And your title deed is the Bible. Hallelujah. That gives you the right. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The title deed is a title deed. Get hold of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Write the vision. And it says, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. And God gives another answer to him. And in Habakkuk 2.14, he says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. Not just about God. He says the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Do you know that two-thirds of the world's surface is covered with water? Amen. That's the vision God wants you to see. I want you as a church to realize that God's plan is far bigger than your plans. Hallelujah. Get connected with that vision. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And that's the revival we are expecting. 2020 was the launching pad for that. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. The world calls it the terrible year, but we call it the beginning of God's revival. We are in a season of great revival. Nations are right. God is pouring His spirit on all flesh. And he says, "My sons and daughters, we prophesy." And so Jesus began with the end in mind, and in Matthew 24:14, this is a promise He gave us this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Amen? If You really want to know when the end is happening? It's not when Antichrist comes. It's not when Israel, Iran attacks Israel or China walks through all that stuff. It's not then. It's not then. This is the only sign that Jesus said the end, then the end will come. You know when? In this gospel, what you have is preached to all the nations, not the countries, the 200 odd countries and territories uh, that the UN has determined, but it's the 24,000 ethnic groups. When Jesus spoke this, there were 24,000 ethnic groups. If you see in that, you can see that, uh, you know, 24,000 and, and some of these large people groups. And God is about to bring the gospel to all these nations, all these people groups. Go to the next one, please. Uh, uh, you see that there are unreached people groups around the world. And, uh, and, and if you really want to see the end, he said, you have to finish this task. You have to take the gospel to every of these 24,000 people groups. Then only the end will come. But when Jesus said that it was impossible, most of these people were not discovered. They never discovered ocean sailing, so they never discovered the islands like New Zealand, Samoa, and all these nations. So when Jesus said this, it wasn't possible to do at this time, at that time. Okay? But now we are living at the time it's possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in 1910, there was a conference by evangelical leaders, and, you know, they met together in a place called Edinburgh. They had the Global Missions Conference in 1910. And one of the things they said to the people at that conference, they said, it's possible now. We have discovered more, all the countries in the world by now. And he said, with the, with the steamship, he said, we can go around the world seven times a year. <laughs> with the steamship, we can go around the world seven times a year. And therefore, it's possible to finish the task. But today, you know how long it takes to... Go around the world in a super jet. 46 hours you can, we can go around the world. You can go from one end to the end, next, right around the world. But yet, but yet we have not done the job. We have not taken the gospel to the people. 1910, they said it's possible within our generation. We can finish it with the, the steamship. But with all the spaceships today, and I was sad that, that, that during the COVID, the, 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 the richest man on the earth was Elon Musk, right? He became, the high, he, he, he became the richest man on earth. Everybody invested on him because they knew that electric cars are coming. You know what he said? What are you going to do with this money? He said, I want to make the world safe. In case a meteorite comes and strikes this earth, I want to see a human colony in planet Mars. That's what he said. If you read read the Google and see that, that's what he said. Why did I become so rich? I want to have a colony of human beings in Mars in case, in case, (laughs) a meteorite hits this earth and destroys everything. But praise God, we have a bigger vision than that. The gospel of this kingdom must be preached to all the nations. We are not driven by fear, uncertainty. We are not driven by doom or gloom, but we are driven by faith, hope, and love. Amen. You know, many years ago, I was a young pastor. Jesus spoke about these people, ethnic, there are people called the unreached people groups. If you were an unreached people group, uh, this is what it means, that uh, there are Close to 4,000 unrich people groups. Out of these 24,000, 20,000 has been reached. There are 4,000 left. Amen? And you and I can be a part of doing something about it. All right? That's why I'm here. I'm not talking to you about tourism. I'm talking about getting involved, right? Okay? You and I can get involved. What does it mean to be an people group? Whatever you have, that means in that people group, People not saved, they do not know Christ, they don't know the Holy Spirit, they don't have the Bible, they don't know church, no discipleship. Everything you have, they don't have. That's it. <laughs> there are people, 4,000 groups, that that everything a normal Christian church has, they have nothing of that. And most of them live in our part of the world. If you look at the next slide, you know the largest unreached people groups live in India, China, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, and But I call South Asia, the four other nations in our region. I pray every day, I pray every day for the last 40 years, Lord Jesus, please do not come tonight. I know people say, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. But I say, Lord, don't come tonight. If you come tonight, 2 billion people in my region will go to hell. I have failed my job there. And so I don't pray, Lord, please come quickly. I pray, Lord, help me to finish, take the gospel to these unreached people groups. Long ago, about 40 years ago, as a young pastor, I went to India, the central part of India. As you know, Sri Lanka is just uh, below uh, India. And I just went to minister among some people, and, and I heard about this people group called the Gons tribal group. They're they, they an unreached people group, right in the middle, a place called uh, Madhya Pradesh. These people, were, they live in the jungle, and I heard about it, I went uh, went by train, by bus, and by bicycle, eventually went to the jungle to connect with these people. They are totally cut off from human civilization. The only thing they need is salt. From, they don't need anything else, everything else they have. So once a month, they would come to the closest civilization and get salt, They exchange, and they go back. They use bow and arrow, they were totally naked. And that's how the people look. This is not my photo, but this, this is what they were. And and I told our people. and I came in there. I tried to give the gospel. I couldn't because I couldn't speak the language. And I came back disappointed because uh, I couldn't share the gospel. I just shared sign language. That's all I could do. Uh, but after coming back, I kept on praying for these people. But 20 years later, in a conference in Singapore, I met a pastor, Indian pastor. He said, I'm from Madhya Pradesh. I said, have you been to this place? Have you known about this people group? And he said, yes, God is doing something among them. People are getting saved. <laughs> and uh, and so, so I was excited. Then uh, I, we, I worked with the AG. So yeah, I, we had a missions conference about four years ago. We called all the pastors together. And I told them about this story. I said, we need to reach this people group. And then one pastor came and told me, pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. He said, I am pastoring of a church right there in that village, in that jungle area. And so he took me there, and this is a picture. I went to that church. This, the people, the total transformation in this last 35 years. Our God is working among these people. They're dressed properly. They, are, they know, they read their Bible. They're educated. Total transformation by the gospel. Friends, I want you to know It's not education, it's not economics, it's the gospel that transforms people. Amen. I want you to know that's why the church has a commission. It's not a suggestion, it's not an option. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, of all the ethnic. And I want to challenge you as a church to take this responsibility, uh, to take the gospel. Connect. Connect. And the book of Habakkuk tells us in the end, and Habakkuk begins with a complaint, and chapter 3, verse 2, he ends up in a prayer. Every complaint can be end up in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You know what he prays? I heard thy speech. I was afraid. O oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of these years, In wrath, remember mercy. Revive. I want you to pray for revival. God is about to send that great revival over the nations. Hallelujah. Where all the nations of the earth shall hear the gospel. Hallelujah. Revival. And when he prayed, he saw the vision of God coming down. In verse 4, he says, His glory covered the heavens. The earth was full of His praise. His brightness was as the light Somebody had a prophetic word this morning light coming into darkness, right? And the horns coming out of his hand, and there was hiding, there was hiding, the hiding of his power. But in verse 5, before him, when the pestilence, burning coals or the fever went before his feet. So it says in God's final visitation, just before he went out, the pestilence, (laughs) COVID, (laughs) the fever went first. (laughs) So you're asking, why did this global. Fever has happened. Get ready for revival. Because his answer to prayer, he said, just before his feet, there is a pestilence and the fever, and then comes the glory of God. I know you have studied so much about the COVID. Everything is about COVID. But I want you to transition from COVID to revival. Amen. His perspective changed. Suddenly, he says... I don't care what happens. Though the fig tree does not blossom, there be no fruit on the vine, the produce of the olive will fail, and there be no herd in the stalls, the flock will be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. He said, Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. He begins with a complaint, ends up with a praise. Begins with questions, ends up with revival. Friends, don't get stuck in the COVID. Get out of it. Get moving into God's revival. Get involved with nations. God is about to do something, you'll be astounded, but you ever never see and God's going to do that. Amen. We are about to experience the greatest move of God. And He says, The Lord God is my strength. I see the picture now differently. I see the big picture. It's my prayer this morning that God will show you the big picture. That you will not find like a puzzle, one piece of puzzle and trying to find out what it means. I know some of you like to do puzzles. But every time you find a question about a puzzle, you look at the big picture, right? Is that right? You really want to understand where this fits in? Don't look at the edges of the puzzle. But look at the big picture. And it's my prayer today that God will show you the big picture where you fit in. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.